The scripture reading this evening is found in the first epistle of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll read the entire chapter. First Peter 1, our text is found in verses 13 through 16. Beginning at verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy." And if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead 
and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. That far we read in God's holy inspired word. May he bless that reading to our hearts. The text that we consider is found in verses 13 through 16. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, there is a connection between hope and holiness. Every one of you that has the hope of glory also will strive for holiness. Not because you have to earn something with God. Not because you have to be holy enough in order to deserve a place in heaven. But because God works in a particular order. The God who plants in us the hope of glory also works in us so that you and I will strive for holiness. According to 1 Peter, you and I have been given a glorious inheritance. That inheritance is being reserved in heaven for us. And you and I are being preserved in that inheritance. God is keeping us so that one day he will give us that glorious promise, the promised inheritance where we will be with him. We have a glorious hope. We have every reason to rejoice. But now does that hope 
show itself in your life and in my life. The fact that you and I have that hope of glory, does that show itself by the way that we live? 1 Peter makes that connection. Hope, that hope of glory, that lively hope that 1 Peter 1 talks about, will manifest itself in your and my striving for holiness. I want to look at that this evening. Look at the text under that theme, hope manifested in holiness. First, I want to look at the hope that God gives to us. Secondly, the holiness that flows out of that hope. And lastly, the reason that holiness will flow out of that hope that God gives to us. Beloved, there's an urgent call in our text. And that call is a call, an exhortation to hope perfectly for the full realization of the salvation that God has given to us. That's what the text calls us to do, to hope Verse 13, wherefore, the apostle says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. And when the apostle gives that exhortation, we ought to understand he's not giving us three different exhortations. He's not saying, well, in the first place, gird up the loins of your minds, and then there's something completely different. You also ought to be sober. And then there's another thing that I want you to do, that I call you to do, hope to the end. That's not the idea. But rather, the main thought is the thought, the exhortation, hope to the end. It would be like if someone said to a runner, Tie up your shoes, stay hydrated, and run the race. And now you see the main idea is run the race. And so too in the original, that emphasis comes out. The emphasis is on the exhortation, hope to the end. And the idea is hope perfectly, hope completely, hope to the nth degree. Hope for what? Hope perfectly, hope to the end for grace. The main idea of grace in scripture 
the, I should say, the most basic idea of grace is the idea of beauty. God in his holiness is a beautiful God. And he, when he looks upon something as beautiful, there is that standard Beauty according to God's standard. So grace, in its most basic idea, is the idea of beauty. But then in the second place, grace is favor. God shows himself beautiful when he shows favor to you and to me. Grace is favor. But when you consider that he has shown favor to undeserving creatures of the dust, when you consider that he has shown favor to you and to me who were rebels by nature, now you can see that grace involves undeserved favor. That in the third place. And then in the fourth place, grace is the power of God whereby he transforms us undeservedly. He, trans- he gives us that grace, that power that transforms us and makes us beautiful. In his sight. That's on the foreground in the text. When the inspired apostle says hope to the end. Hope perfectly for grace. Hope for that grace. That power of God that that transforms us. There is a power that transforms us, a power of God, a grace of God that takes us out of death, spiritual death, and gives to us spiritual life. There is that power of God, that grace of God that gives to us faith. There is a grace of God that gives to us that we would begin to be holy. He sanctifies us. In this life. But the text. Is especially talking about. A grace. That will transform us. When Jesus Christ. Appears. The second time. When he comes again. That's what the text is talking about. When it tells us about the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When he is revealed and comes in the clouds. When Jesus Christ returns... God will transform us. By his mighty power, he will transform us so that 
you and I are perfectly, spiritually beautiful, we will be in the image of Christ on that day that image will be fully reflected in us. That's what the Spirit calls us to hope for. Don't hope for earthly, fading beauty. Sometimes we can spend all kinds of time pursuing earthly and fading beauty. Don't set your hope on earthly treasures that moth can corrupt and which treasures can be taken away in an instant. Don't set your hope on popularity Don't set your hope on a life of ease and a life of pleasure. Don't set your hope on things here below. Rather, hope to the end. Hope completely for the grace that is to be brought us when Jesus Christ appears in the clouds, when you and I will reflect that glorious image of Christ. Jesus Christ, who has already purchased us with his precious blood on the cross, Jesus Christ, who loved us so much, will come again and give us the fullness of that inheritance he has earned for us. We need to hear that word because we all fall short. Who of us can say, I have a perfect hope. I set my heart on the glory of heaven perfectly. We all fall short. And so we need to hear that exhortation in the text, hope to the end. There's two things that will go along with that hoping to the end, and that's found in the text. When the apostle says in verse 13, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end. Those two things that come before the main thought are things that will accompany a right and proper hope If you and I are going to have a right and proper hope, if we are going to hope completely for that grace that is coming, then we are called also to gird up the loins of our mind. 
And that picture, children, of girding up the loins, though it's not familiar so much to us today because we don't wear long robes, but that picture would have been familiar to the readers in New Testament days when they wore robes. And when someone wanted to work or someone wanted to fight or they wanted to run, they would take their long robes, they would pull them up and tie them around their waist. They would gird up in order to prepare themselves for the work. Now the apostle says, gird up the loins. There's the picture. Gird up the loins of your minds. Prepare your mind. Prepare your mind by giving effort. Have your mind prepared to do what God calls you to do. Have your mind prepared to endure all kinds of afflictions and trials that will surely come. Have your mind prepared to do battle against all the temptations and wiles of the devil. Gird up the loins of your mind. How are we to have our minds prepared? How are we to gird up the loins of our minds? By taking heed to the warnings of Scripture. By dwelling upon the promises of Scripture. By dwelling upon the faithfulness of God who rules over all things by his mighty power, by being immersed in the word of God. And now think of the psalmist that says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. We wanted to use the words of our text, we might say, Thy word have I bound up in my heart. I have girded up my loins. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Beloved, are your loins, the loins of your minds, girded up? So that they are not wandering this place and that place. In order that we might hope perfectly. The apostle calls us if we are going to hope perfectly. As we are called to do then we are called to gird up the loins of our minds. And then also to be sober. Sobriety, of course, refers to not being intoxicated. We don't have to take that only in a figurative way. The apostle 
certainly means also do not be intoxicated with alcohol. Do not be intoxicated with painkillers. Do not be intoxicated with other drugs. Maybe people do that to try to escape the pain of life. But it doesn't really escape the pain. Do not be intoxicated with those things. But certainly the apostle's idea is broader than that. Do not be intoxicated with the world. Do not let the world's ideas and habits affect your walk. There's all kinds of things that can intoxicate us. We can get carried away seeking after pleasure. All kinds of pleasure that is that can take the center stage of our lives. Do not be intoxicated with pleasure, seeking after one pleasure and then another. Do not be intoxicated with Riches. Do not set your heart on those riches. Do not be intoxicated with power and fame, all kinds of things. That when we are intoxicated by those things, they distract us from our hope. When I am pursuing some earthly thing, then I'm forgetting about the hope of glory. Do not be intoxicated. Be sober. The inspired apostle calls us to gird up the loins of our minds so that we are able to hope Perfectly for the grace that is to be given us at the appearing of Christ. When we have that hope, that will bring forth the fruit of holiness. That hope will manifest itself in holiness. Think about that. If you and I have a hope of glory, if we hope one day to be given glory, then we will also strive for holiness. There's two aspects to that. If you and I are hoping for a day in which we will be perfectly sinless, then we will be those who also want to avoid sin. We're hoping for heaven, 
where we will be perfectly sinless, if that is our longing, then we will also want to flee from sin here in this life. It doesn't make sense. If I'm longing for sinlessness in the future, does it make sense that I want to follow the path of sin in the present? So the inspired apostle says, as obedient children, after he says hope to the end, he says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. The former lusts, the lusts of our old man, the lusts that those follow after, those desires that people follow after who are completely ignorant of the hope of glory, who are completely ignorant of Christ. They follow after all kinds of earthly lusts. But that makes no sense if you and I are hoping for glory. As obedient children, we who have been adopted by grace, who have been brought into God's family, who have been made children of God, purchased by the precious blood of Christ, who suffered because of our sins, taking upon himself the punishment that you and I deserved, it doesn't make sense. We're hoping for glory that we would want to pursue the way of sin. We need to be reminded of that. When we're tempted to think that this sin or that sin is not such a big deal. When we say, but I'm not hurting anyone When we think to ourselves, it's only a mental crime, but it's not actually an outward sin. That's foolishness to think that way. Even the thoughts of our hearts are sins, though they may not be manifested immediately outwardly. Obedient children will not want to fashion ourselves according to our former lusts, the lusts of our old man, the lusts of those that characterize those who are ignorant of God. I say we need to be reminded of that so that we don't allow ourselves to enjoy depictions of sin, whether in music or the movies or in pornography, Those who have the hope of glory will 
flee from sin and hate that sin more and more. But the same thing applies positively. If you and I have the hope of glory, we have the hope that one day we will be made perfectly holy, well then we also will strive for holiness in this life. That's verse 15. The apostle adds that, he says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. God gives a command there through the inspired apostle, be holy, that's in the imperative. Strive for holiness of life. Now it's true, there is a sense in which we already have been made holy. We already have been, by God's grace, taken out of darkness and brought into God's marvelous light. We already have been united to Christ. We have been given eternal life. And so God has consecrated us to himself. He has made us holy. We are saints. And the word saints means holy ones. That is true. But now the inspired apostle directs a word to us who are saints. And he says, be holy. Be holy in the sense of striving for holiness. That very same idea is found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And strikingly, 1 John, the Apostle John also makes a connection between hope and holiness. 1 John 3, verse 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself even as he, that is, even as Christ is pure. If you and I have the hope of glory and we are looking forward to that day in which we are perfectly holy, then we also will strive for holiness. That's the thought of Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 115 as well. There it says, likewise, that we constantly endeavor and pray to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit that we may become more and more conformable to the image of God. We endeavor, we strive. But notice we don't just strive in our own strength. We endeavor and pray. Because we cannot strive for holiness in ourselves. Apart from the grace of God, we endeavor and pray. 
And then notice the catechism doesn't stop only with this life. Yes, it says that we may become more and more conformable to the image of God. That's talking about this life. But then it goes on and says, till we arrive at the perfection proposed to us in a life to come. Do you have the hope of glory? And do I have the hope of glory? God's word to us, beloved, who have that hope of glory is to be holy in all manner of conversation. Be holy, not just in our speech, but the idea of conversation as it's used in our King James refers to our conduct. Be holy in all of our conduct. Be holy in your devotions. Be holy in the way that you work. Whether in the school or in the workplace, manifest that holiness. Be holy in your relationships, how you speak to others, how you speak and how I speak to our spouse, or our children, or our parents. Be holy in the way that you talk about others in the church and around us. Be holy in the way that you deal with conflict. Be holy even in the way that you eat and drink. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. There's nothing, beloved, in the whole world, there's no part, no square inch of our conduct that is exempt from this exhortation, be holy in all manner of conversation. What you watch on the internet, what you listen to on the radio, how you entertain yourself, be holy. The question that we face then, does our hope of glory manifest itself in holiness, in striving for holiness. Anyone who thinks to themselves, I have the hope of glory, they think to themselves, I'm going to heaven, and yet they have no desire for holiness. They are fooling themselves. No desire to please God. And yet they think they're going to heaven where they will praise God forever. 
There's a reason that our hope of glory will manifest itself in holiness, and that reason is God is holy. Verse 16 of our text says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And that's a quotation from the Old Testament. The apostle is quoting from Leviticus 19, verse 2. And there God says, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be holy because God is holy. Be holy because God is absolutely consecrated to himself. God who is absolutely separate from sin and who hates all workers of iniquity, but God who seeks properly all glory for himself. Now think of it, this holy God that is absolutely separate from the creature was pleased to take us into fellowship with himself. The holy God has graciously determined to make himself your God and my God. Why did God do that? The God who is devoted to his own glory. Why would he take us into fellowship with himself? So that you and I would give him the glory that is due. We who have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. We who have the hope of glory, we who have been regenerated by the Spirit of Christ, who have been elected even before the foundation of the world, why did God show us that grace? So that we would give to him the glory that is due. That we would strive for holiness in thankfulness to him. When God says, be holy for I am holy, that should not be a burden for us to hear. That should be something that you and I want to hear. I want to be holy. Because I am thankful to God for all that he is and all that he has done for me in Jesus Christ. Is that our motivation, beloved? For wanting to be holy, for striving for holiness, thankfulness to God. There's also another reason, an even greater reason, why your hope and why my hope will manifest itself in holiness. And the reason is 
the God who begins a work, the holy God who begins a work will always bring that work to completion. He's not going to go halfway. He's not going to elect us in eternity and then fail to redeem us in time. No, as he has elected us, he also sent his only begotten son to redeem us. And as he has redeemed us, paid the ransom, he also sends his spirit to regenerate us. And as he has regenerated us, he also will glorify us. He will complete the work that he has begun. He's not going to let his work go to waste. If he has called us out of darkness, then he will continue that work, justifying us and ultimately glorifying us. The text speaks of that in verse 15. When the inspired apostle says, but as he which hath called you is holy. The God who called you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. The God who has already given you grace. That's talking about God's efficacious call. By his powerful call. God puts us on the way that leads infallibly to glory. There's none that can snatch us out of his hand. Well now, beloved, the God who has given us the hope of glory Who, the God who has begun that work now will carry on that work. He will work in us the beginning of holiness in this life so that you and I more and more will hate our sins and flee from those sins. Is it not the case that you look back Sins that you have committed. And we see the horror of those more and more. God is working in us. So that we hate our sins and flee from them more and more. And he is working in us. So that we love him and we want to walk in his ways. More and more. Yes, we have only a small beginning. Do not be dejected by that. But realize that the God who has given that beginning will also cause that work to come to its completion. Jesus Christ will return in the clouds. He will come and take all his people. He will take us up into glory. And then we will be 
perfectly holy. And we will praise our God forever. Does your hope of glory manifest itself in your striving for holiness? And does mine? May God grant that. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, we draw nigh unto thee in this evening hour. We thank thee for the work that thou hast begun. We thank thee for the hope of glory that thou hast given to us. Grant to us, we pray, that more and more we would strive after holiness, not in our own strength, but by thy grace. Where we have fallen short, and all of us have, we pray that thou forgive us. Blot out our transgressions in the blood of thy Son, and continue, we pray, to lead and guide us by thy Spirit. Even for thy name's sake, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.